and welcome back to the Testudo Times podcast, our eighth episode in this new podcasting era, although it doesn't feel like we've done eight because we haven't done a podcast in three weeks, but I'm with two people today. That hasn't happened since May, has it? The first person who is joining us is the Grand Poobah of Testudo Times, somebody else who hasn't been on the podcast since June, Pete Volk. Hi, Pete. How are you? I'm great. It's good to be back. It feels like it's been an entire summer because it has been. What have you done without Maryland sports in your life? Oh, you know, just getting ready for, for the new season. Just getting myself hyped up for a Richmond game. That's oh. what I do all summer. I'll try, I'm trying to convince myself that Richmond is only an appetizer to the max that we're going to see at Bird Stadium the next week. That, oh, yeah. that's, that, that's the real entertainer. And also joining us, somebody else who's been on the podcast before, our non-rev expert, Todd Carton. Hi, Todd. How was your summer? Uh, my summer was great. You know, I had a chance to travel a little bit, uh, went to the opening day of the Open Championship at St. Andrews. Really? That's more it's... interesting than anything I did. <laughs> I watched Wimbledon in a control room in Los Angeles. That was fun. Yeah. That, no, that was pretty good. But yeah, you did something way more interesting than I did. So, so, feel, so feel good about that. At least you, you, had a better summer than, you had a better summer than most of us did. Some quick um, housekeeping details. We're sorry that we haven't had a podcast consistently. It's been the summer. Pete's been, where have you been? Didn't you say you were in Oregon before? I was in Oregon briefly covering the opening. Okay, so there you go. So you were in Oregon. I was in Los Angeles all summer. Todd was in England, Scotland. And everybody else has been all over. Yes. So it's been hard for us to get sort of everybody around to, to do a podcast. But starting next week, either Sunday nights or Monday nights, we will be recording. I will put a post up on Testudo Times when we are to have you comment in the comment section about what you want for questions. You also can tweet to me at MattsMusicsOnes or at the Testudo Times Twitter account. You can do all of that, and we will get your questions. And starting next week, we'll have a consistent weekly podcast. I promise. On my word of honor, I'm saying it on the air. Now that we've gotten that out of the way, let's get to what you all want to hear about, which is football training camp. And the most interesting thing that has happened, bar none, is the fact that the quarterback situation has evolved in a completely different way than any of us expected. Pete, it really does look like Perry Hills is going to be the opening day starter, doesn't it? Well, you know, right now, uh, that's the way things have been leaning. To be honest, I would still be surprised if that's how it turns out. Um, you know, all reports suggest that Perry's been the best of the three quarterbacks in camp. And Randy Etzel says that at the moment, he's the number one guy. Um, but, you know, Maryland also has two other intriguing options on the roster. And I imagine if they can, they'd like to be able to play somebody who's more of a deep threat. I think that if it continues this way, Perry Hills will be the starter. But I also think that there's something to be said for, you know, kind of lighting a fire under Caleb Rowe or something like that, uh, hoping that he or, or Dax Garman, but probably Rowe, I think, is the hope, can get it together before the Richmond game. Do you think that when we, when we see – because we've seen Perry Hills before. We've seen him play. I remember 2012 when he had Stephon Diggs running underneath routes that kind of inflated his numbers a bit. Do you really think that he is the best option going forward, or do you think it's kind of media bluster to, as you said, set a fire under the other two guys to get them to compete better because we only have 10 days before the first game starts? Yeah, you know, it's, it's difficult. Um we broke down the numbers of the three candidates earlier. They kind of bring different things to the table. I think Perry Hills is, is probably the safest bet of the three. Um, 
But Caleb Bro, uh, I think, does offer something else to to Maryland's game that they haven't really had in the passing attack since Daniel Bryan was at quarterback, and that is the vertical game. Dax Garman does something similar. Honestly, I think Dax Garman is a is a slightly worse version of Caleb Rowe. I think he's got experience, which is great to have on your football team. But I think that the starting job is going to go to either Rowe or Hills. Um, I think there's a chance that Garman ends up playing a role at some point this year. But um, I would be surprised to see him starting. But I think, you know, the decision for Randy Etzel is do they want Perry Hills playing quarterback, perhaps providing a, a safer option, uh, somebody who – has more extensive starting experience than Caleb Rowe does, even though it was years ago? Or do they want Caleb Rowe, which, you know, has a, a higher ceiling, I would say, than Perry Hills, just because of his ability to stretch the field, but has shown a tendency to uh, to make mistakes. You know, he threw an interception against James Madison last year, and that's not ideal. I, I tried to erase that from my memory, and for good reason. Here is one of the questions that I saw yesterday on Twitter. Somebody asked, uh, it was on the Grant and Danny show that uh, our friend Brendan Dar, who was a good man, uh, was posting tweets from the Randy Edsel interview. That's how we got this, which which shocked me, absolutely stunned me. But here's the question that I saw somebody ask afterwards. Do you think there's a chance we see all three of them at some point this year? Because I believe that if Perry Hill starts, it won't be long before we hear people start complaining about you need to play Caleb Rowe. And honestly, we're going to hear it either way. But I think if Perry yeah. Hill starts, you're going to hear more complaints for Caleb Rowe than you would if it was the opposite. Don't you agree? I think for a variety of reasons, you should expect to see all three quarterbacks play this year. You know, people get banged up. It's Maryland. Maryland. It's going to be a no given. St- it's a given, isn't it? Stranger to injure that. Exactly. And then games that get out of hand, you bring in, you bring in other guys as well. And so I think I think we'll see all three of them play at some point. Um, I think that Maryland hopes that they won't have to make a change as to who's starting uh, at some point through the season. Uh, But we're going to find out a lot more in the next week, and that's going to be very interesting heading into the Richmond game. Todd, uh, don't want to leave you out. Who would you want to see starting opening day and as we go through the season? Do you have any preference? Or Or is the season going to go pretty much the same for you no matter who starts? Well, uh, you know, look, the bottom line for me is is that uh, is winning games and uh, you're dropping in and out on the call a little bit from my end. But, uh, you know, I have to ask you guys, you said if Perry Hill starts, you think that there might be calls pretty early on for Caleb Rowe. The, the question I have is if Maryland is is three and oh or, or and, and manages or even four and oh manages to upset West Virginia, are people going to shut up about that with Caleb? Yeah, absolutely. Wins cure all ales. I mean, it's why you still have people calling for Perry Hills, because he won more games than he lost when he was starting. I mean, when you look at the numbers, Perry Hills performed much better than I thought he did. I mean, he's a he seems to be a better quarterback than Dax Garman. Caleb Rose still has the advantage there. But I think that if Maryland starts 3-0... and um, Which they should, let's be honest. If they should, Which they should, but there's a chance. I mean, South Florida should be a little bit better. Bowling Green should be considerably better than last year. Um, but if they start 4-0, I can't imagine any – I mean, obviously you have to see how the games go out first. I can't imagine any rational, like, calls for change. West Virginia is, may have the best defense in the Big 12 this year. If Maryland's quarterback is able to beat that team, that quarterback is likely doing a good job. It, that's, this is true. But I do have to mention this, and I've told this story on the air before. 
even when Maryland last year, after they had lost to Ohio State and gotten blown out, when they still had, I think at that point, what, four or five? Did they, did they have four or five wins by the Ohio State game? We were heading into Iowa. I think they were four and two. And we were still hearing people calling for Caleb Rowe at that point, even after it was announced that he had blown out his knee. So I don't put it past Maryland fans to suggest anything, even if they are four and oh. But regardless of that. Um, to be fair, I, I just want to comment on that quickly. To be fair, I th- think that there was um, a little bit of C.J. Brown fatigue that, that went that's into true. that. That's uh, true. I think, you know, he was around for so long that I think that um, Maryland fans, you know, especially going to the end of the season, when you start to see kind of the same problems uh, arise again and again with regards to his arm strength um, and his accuracy and all that. I mean, I think, you know, we, we did throughout the season previews of Maryland's position units, and it was clear Maryland's best runner by far last season was C.J. Brown. Absolutely. Uh, and so not to go into that whole debate again, but I do think that C.J. Brown was a different situation just because he had been there for six years and Maryland fans were so intimately familiar with his limitations that when they popped up, it was very easy to say, just put someone else in there. It's true. I, I can well, agree well, with that. Todd? Oh, I was just going to ask if, if an improved offensive line will benefit a guy like Perry Hills more who, who seems to have a good sense of timing, when to get rid of the ball, and, and avoiding sacks, as opposed to uh, somebody with a little less experience and who probably isn't as mobile as you'd like him to see, which would be Caleb Rowe. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point, Todd. I mean, Maryland's offensive line looks to be improved this year, I mean, just in terms of the talent on the line. Um, but, you know, looking at the numbers, Caleb Rowe gets sacked a lot less than Perry Hills. Um, just comparing their sack rate, percent, basically just the percentage of dropbacks that they get sacked on. Caleb Rowe has been sacked on 3.4% of dropbacks. Dax Garman on 10.1. And Perry Hills on 11.8. Yeesh. So yeah. he, he had, I mean... A lot of that has to do with the fact that most of his playing time came behind Maryland's horrendous 2012 offensive line. But there is also something to be said about a quarterback's ability to avoid pressure. Now, again, not only was he behind that offensive line, he was a true freshman. And seeing that Perry has been playing so well in camp probably suggests that that part of his game has improved as well. But it's hard to to really um, kind of predict how he looks since we haven't seen him in a few years. I mean, we know that unless he's made major uh, strides in terms of just his pure uh, strength, which I guess he says he has, uh, his arm strength is, is a potential issue. But I think with the improved offensive line, you would see likely that sack rate drop down. And if he, you know, has gotten a little bit more experience, you know, he's been around the program for quite some time now, it's possible that, you know, changing that part of his game, getting a five-star right tackle in there, getting more experience on the inside and that left tackle would help him uh, avoid the pressure more and make some plays. Sort of a lack of mobility on, uh, you know, after the six-pack of uh, knee injuries that Caleb Rowe has had. True. It makes sense. So maybe it's for me, it's Perry Hill's fatigue from 2012 when I remember those games. But he does seem to process the games better, but it sometimes, did it not feel that he was taking too long to make decisions, or is it three, or is that my brain clouding my memory from three years ago? I don't, you know, I, I don't it's, quite it's, remember. It's hard to say, uh, you know, and again, I think the whole thing of him being a true freshman at the time uh, does kind of change everything that we can read from that, just because... I think it is possible, you know, you look at that season and you say, hey, okay, so this is kind of the quarterback that Perry Hills is, but it's three years later. Um, it's a different Maryland team. It's possible it's a different Perry Hills as well. 
I think we can all talk about that. And we'll go into this more in depth next week when we at when we blow out the previews and we'll talk more in depth about all of this. There was another injury. Oh man, it's Maryland, therefore there have to be training camp injuries. And it was an injury to a starter. Abner Logan blew out his knee. He's out for the rest of the season. And he was going to be a crucial cog in the transition from a 3-4 to a 4-3. Pete, we've heard about Jefferson Ashiru, the UConn transfer, who's played uh, decently well in camp, who's probably now going to have to start. Uh, how big of a loss is Abner Logan for the Maryland defense? Yeah, again, another thing that's hard to tell. Abner Logan is a guy who uh, appeared to be on track to play a big role this year. He had missed time due to suspension. Uh, but he's a former four-star recruit out of Massachusetts. Um, big-time talent. Um but he hasn't, you know, been a been a starter for Maryland yet. So, so it's not a situation where you're like losing a sure thing. Abner Logan was a guy who has had and has potential to contribute at Maryland, but um, it's not the same as losing like a, a Yannick Ngakwe or someone that you know can really perform as a starter on the Big Ten level. Um, and bringing in Ashiro, you know, makes all the difference. Maryland knew that there were some depth pro- depth problems at outside linebacker. You know that injuries are going to hit every preseason. Um, and Maryland made moves to make sure that when a guy like Logan went down, they had someone to adequate to replace him. Ashiro did a fine job at Connecticut as a starter. Um, I think that he's probably ready for Big Ten play as well. And with him and, and Jalen Brooks, Maryland has a, you know, there are questions at linebacker, but it's it's a bit better than it could have been. And also Malik Jones also, all, excuse me, Malik Jones also, is out for the rest of the year. He was more of a depth player, if I, I seem to remember correctly. Is that right, Pete? Yeah, he spent some time practicing with the first team at defensive tackle in spring. But with uh, Quentin Jefferson returning from injury, it was clear he wasn't going to start. He was going to be a second-team defensive tackle, so it, it does hurt not having him there for depth. But Maryland does have David Shaw and Kingsley Opara and Quentin Jefferson in the middle there. So they at least have three players who I think they feel confident in playing that role. Okay, let's talk about some of the other position player battles and some other interesting notes we've seen from training camp. They've been we've seen reports from many different sources about uh, all these battles, players that have stepped up. What players have stepped up that you have seen that could be playing a bigger role than we might have expected? Well, I think the the one that a lot of people have been talking about is Zambeda Tau. Um, you know, a lot of Maryland fans remember him for some of the drop passes that he's had over yep. the past few years but he's one of the uh fastest players on maryland roster and if you believe the coaches he's made a lot of strides with his hands this year and they feel confident enough that it looks like he's going to be one of the three starting wide receivers along with laverne and Tavon Tavon jacobs so especially if maryland ends up with caleb rowe or dax garman um or i guess if perry hills can now throw a deep ball uh Tao is going to be a, a pretty major part of Maryland's offense, I would expect. I was going to ask that. Uh, another guy, about... I think, is Brent. Go on, Todd. Oh, I was just going to ask Pete, since he was on, on receivers. You know, one of the things that, uh, and Matt mentioned it, that, that I think made Perry Hills kind of successful as a freshman was that he had a great playmaker who caught short passes and turned yep. them into long passes. Yep. He's wearing number 14 in Minnesota's camp right now. Uh when you look at a guy like Amba Edatawa or some or the Jacobs kids or or some of those other folks, do you see anybody who has that sort of playmaking ability, or are they just kind of primarily stretchers? Yeah, no, I think the Jacobs brothers both have that 
kind of playmaking ability. I think DJ Moore, the true freshman from uh, Pennsylvania, also has that kind of playmaking ability. I think Edatawo's responsibility will primarily be stretching the field. Um, but both of the Jacobs brothers have the speed and athleticism to make plays underneath like Stefan Diggs did. I mean, maybe not at that level, but there are two of them. They are very good, and I would expect them to make plays this year. Another person I think um, Maryland fans might not think about too much just because he's had his struggles is Brandon Ross. Um, looking at the numbers from last year as well, if it wasn't for his fumbles, Brandon Ross would have been you know, one of the better Big Ten running backs. He did a very good job making sure to get uh, consistently uh, positive yardage. And he showed ability to make explosive plays. Um, you know, a lot of Maryland fans, I think, because of the four-star pedigree and because of how he runs, wanted Wes Brown to start last year. Um, and you'll even see in the offseason, people are like, why didn't they give Wes Brown the ball more? Wes Brown had more carries than Brandon Ross last year, and he had a much worse season. I have no doubt that West Brown will improve and will, um, you know, become a major factor for Maryland, especially in short yardage situations. But I do think that Brandon Ross could really carry the load as a feature back if that's what they go. Uh, and I have one question now that we've talked about. Good question, Todd, about the how Perry Hills was throwing to Stephon Diggs in year one, and that was the biggest offensive weapon Maryland has had in years. Do you think if Perry Hills starts, because we had heard a lot about the transition from more of this read option, short passing quick play game to the deep threat with Caleb Rowe, who's obviously a much less mobile but a very different quarterback. Do you think if Perry Hill starts that we aren't going to see quite the shift in offensive philosophy that we might have expected? Because, Or, or maybe do they not have the personnel to make it work immediately? I think it's uh, honestly Maryland's offensive change isn't going to be as large as fans expect. Maryland's still going to run the read option no matter who the quarterback is. Um, and I think that's a good thing. I know people disagree with me, but uh, I think the read option is an incredibly good football play. Just strategically, it makes sense. Even if your quarterback cannot run quite as well, although it's obviously much more dangerous if your quarterback can. But on a, on a typical running play, the odds are stacked in favor of the defense because the quarterback doesn't do anything besides hand off the ball. So it's 11 against 10. And on a read option play, those numbers are reversed because you're able to take the, def the defense's best player out of the play just by doing the read option. So I don't think they're going to rely on it as much as they did with C.J. Brown, but it's still going to be a part of the offense. So I, Maryland fans should expect to see it still this year. But how much, if Caleb Rowe plays and starts, we aren't going to see the read option quite as much as if we say had, if have Perry Hills starts because Caleb Rowe just isn't as mobile as Perry Hills is, yeah? Yeah, it's hard to say, but I, I imagine that that would be the case. It's entirely possible that Maryland decides to run it just as much with Caleb Rowe. I do not know. But I, I do think that it would make more sense to run it more with Perry Hills than Rowe, but we'll have to wait and see. From my recollection, I remember it being run a lot more with Perry Hills than with Caleb Rowe, but we've seen less of Rowe than I have of Hills. That's on my own recollection, and it could be different. You will probably tell us if it is different. We're going to move off of football for just a second. There are other sports that are starting up in the fall. Some have already started. Um, Pete and I aren't the most knowledgeable on them, and that's why we have Todd. So, uh... Can you give us, Todd, a quick primer on all of the fall non-red sports? Just quick summaries. They don't have to be in-depth essays that are being written for the Atlantic. They just have to give us an idea of what we should be expecting from all of the sports, both soccer, volleyball. I don't even know all of the sports we play. I'm sorry. I feel, I feel terrible admitting that on the air. Todd, the floor it's is no, yours. We're, we're good on that. Uh, well, women's soccer has already started. 
They're two and zero, which is not ter- uh, not unsurprising uh, compared to last year when they started zero and two. But they uh, went to Pepperdine, which is a traditional tournament team, and this year they they opened up with two games at home against Kent State and Navy. Um, they do have, look like they have a dynamic scorer in Alex Anthony this year. Um, she scored three goals already, all three of Maryland's goals, which is more than she scored all of last year. She scored twice last year in the season. Um, they're going to need a little more balance. They're solid in the back, uh, pretty, pretty uh, experienced, and they have a great goalkeeper in Rochelle Beanlands who is a Canadian and who's going to be, who's going to have her name all over Maryland's record books. On the men's side, they start this weekend. Their schedule, as Sasha uh, likes to do at the beginning of the year, they're opening. You there? Yeah, Yeah, it's pretty brutal. Oh, it's brutal. It's just brutal. Uh, they, They open with Notre Dame, who's number four in the country. Uh, they come home. This is in a tournament at Indiana, actually. They'll they'll come home and uh, right away open with the, uh, their home opener is against UCLA, who's preseason number one in the country. And it gets really easier from that because then they face the preseason. I think we just lost Todd. Oh, Todd, are you back? Team. We're having some issues with Todd's connection here. Uh, I'll just say that while we wait for him to come back uh, briefly. Yeah, it's my end, sorry. Technical issues in the podcast. Um, I will just say while we wait for Todd's connection to clear up, or mine to clear up for just a touch, uh, I will be calling games for MUC uh, this year for men's soccer, many of them. So uh, this is quite important information for me. This is getting my own little preview from our own expert. Todd, you back. I'm here. Can okay. you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. It was just going in and out. So continue to the point you were making on men's soccer. I'm sorry. Oh, um, men's soccer. You know, well, we were talking about how brutal the schedule is early. Uh, you know, they, they get UCLA and then back it up with number 25, Akron, at home. Akron's uh, always fun. And that's that's always fun. And, and of course, you know, they, they play Michigan in their first Big Ten game, and then they're at Michigan State, who's number nine in the country. I think Maryland preseason is 12 or 13, somewhere in there, with four Big Ten teams uh, ranked. So, uh, and a lot of young players. He's got some some good experience on the defense, but Sasho has a phenomenal freshman class. He talked in his press conference yesterday about possibly being able to put four freshmen in the midfield and not really seeing a drop off from the guys he's starting. That's so pretty, that's pretty that stunning. That that's pretty astonishing and and should be great for considering, him. Um, considering who they lost, one of them being maybe the best goalkeeper to ever come through Maryland, one of the best, and the possible heir apparent to Tim Howard. I'm not going to get too crazy into soccer stuff, but go on. Yeah. Well, uh, if if we want to, you know, Cody Cody needing Cody Niedermeyer, who is a, a redshirt senior, who's been he was pretty good goalie uh, coming in. Um, I. Uh, going through youth soccer. He's been injured most of his career. And and again, he's got a, a great Canadian kid whose name escapes me at the moment as a freshman to back up Cody. I think uh, they'll, they'll be solid in goal. And with Alex Crowley kind of anchoring the good. 
uh, field hockey, uh, you know, Maryland is number three in the country preseason. They have a particular motivation in that in 28 years as a going into our 28th year as the head coach, Missy Maharg has only had two groups uh, classes that have not won a national championship. And this group of seniors has not yet won a national championship. Uh, so that's a pretty, pretty high level motivation for them. She has a phenomenal freshman, a kid out of Bel Air, a five, nine forward midfielder named Linnea Gonzalez. To, uh, oh, uh, in, in, we lost him again. Well, not quite. You're still here. Oh, okay. Uh, so big 10 has six of their nine teams ranked preseason they're not quite as strong as the ACC, uh, which has, I think, seven of the top 13. But uh, six of the, of the nine Big Ten teams are ranked in the top 20. So it ought to be a fun year for field hockey and, and look for Maryland to compete there. Volleyball, you know, uh, as Coach Steve Aird has said, he's, you know, one or two injuries away from, from having a disastrous year. He's thin on his roster, but has some great kids coming in. They are better this year. Um, I think he's instilled a culture in at Maryland. The kids all stayed, most of them, I think, stayed all summer and worked hard. And I think they realized that the Big Ten is really a different animal from the ACC in volleyball. Uh, the whole league is better. The Big Ten, again, preseason has six, eight teams in the top 25 or 30. Uh, in the country, and so that schedule is going to be brutal. But uh, and and plus, Maryland goes out to Oklahoma for a tournament earlier in in the year. Uh, I think Washington is in that tournament, and they're always a traditional powerhouse out of the Pac-12. Uh, so so Maryland will be challenged, but they do have some talent and some options. And I think Steve uh, is really building something exciting, and he's got some freshmen who will contribute this year, I think, and kids coming in there, including a local kid named Liz Twilley, who who's out of uh, um, Frederick County, I think, and uh, has, has been better in practice, I think, than everybody expected. Right. So, you know, I mean, volleyball, if they, they win a couple more games this year, maybe a dozen or 13, as opposed to the 10 they won last year and win four games in the in the league, it'll be a solid year for them. And he's building, uh, you know, he's he's actually installing his system for next year, almost for the talent that he has next year, because he wants his kids to play faster and he wants them to get used to the pace that he wants that they'll be playing at over the next several years. That was a very good discussion, Todd. I'm sorry about the connection problems. I, I, I have I have horrible Internet. It happens. Uh, so we I want to get to two questions before we uh, before we wrap things yeah. up here. Hi, Todd. Still there? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was I'm a good here. discussion. It was a good discussion. Sorry about my internet. It's all me. It's all my fault. Remember, no, if anything happens for me, it's all it's probably my fault. It's coming in and out on my end too. So. Yeah. Yeah. Certain company. Anyway, Pete, I want to get. Uh, you've been sitting around being quiet and being listening. Did you get educated just like I did? Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, and uh, yesterday actually was the uh, non-rev media day. So I, I was know. I saw the- that. I saw Steve Aird's press conference. It was very interesting him talking about the team because he he knows that it they're still a while away 
and uh, it's it's refreshing to hear him talk about it a little more candidly. You know, he basically said, "I'm not crazy. I know it's going to be rough, but just stick with it." Well, maybe Randy Edsel should say that about the football team this year. How much? How many more brownie points do you think you'd get with the fan base if he did that? Yeah, a, well, a few. Not much. Not much. Uh, people will still want him fired. Uh, let's but go to. The... I would like to add one, one, uh, two last things. One, if Please. people have a chance to watch that uh, video conference, it's on BTN Plus. Particularly Steve's little section is to watch the reaction of the players when he talks about them not being quite there. I think it's yeah. pretty classic. <laughs> that would yeah. be great. And, we are and as good as you think. Oh God. And and I also just want to remind everybody uh, on the. I know you guys remember it, but everybody who's listening that if Perry Hills is indeed the starting quarterback, he was a wrestler in high school. <laughs> <laughs> Very good, very good, very good. Okay, well, I want to get two questions in before we uh, before we end the show today. Uh, Jimmy Stevens is the Wolfish at Twitter. Um, asked a question that I think we're going to get into a lot more next week. Um, which QB are you most confident into leading Maryland to six wins and a trip to Detroit? Boy, is that a glorious end goal for a season. Get six wins and play in the uh, Pizza Bowl, whatever the hell it's called. Yeah, God, I don't even know the answer to that question. Like, I, my whole world has been turned upside down by this news that Perry Hills has been the best quarterback in camp. It's kind of turned so, my world upside down, too. So, I think, like, today, my answer is probably Perry Hills. But, like, my real answer is, honestly, whoever the coaches decide has been the best by next week. Just because they see them so much more than I do. When do you think they're going to announce the starter? you think it'll be this weekend? Yeah. Okay, so we'll, so by the time we get to Monday, we'll know who the starter is. And one other yeah, question... Okay, so to go with two wins per two wins per quarterback. quarterback. <laughs> uh, well, it depends why not? On who, it depends on who the two uh, each team plays. So if it's Dax Garmin against Richmond and Bowling Green, okay, fine. Uh, we'll get to. I I saw you and Alex posted predictions on the website. We'll talk more about those next week because we're running a bit low on time. But uh, you both uh, predicted slightly optimistic win totals, which uh, gives me. Some some hope. Yeah. Um, I also wasn't expecting to, for the record. You that weren't expecting to? No, everything yeah, you had been saying in happened. past podcasts was something along the lines of, uh, yeah, I, I don't Four expect them to be bowl eligible yet. Uh, the other question and the final question we have for you all, and I'm going to look for it right here. <laughs> uh, how do, As Tomas on Twitter asks, in general, we don't have to go hugely in-depth into this. We can save it for next week. But how does the football teams this year stack up the last year's Position group by position. You can pick a couple that are better than it was last year. Namely, the offensive line is going to be better. Uh, we, we know that. The secondary is still going to be pretty good. Uh, but most other yeah, positions are going to be I think the secondary is going to be better. I think secondary might be the biggest improvement um, just because you add A.J. Hendy to the mix. That's which true. Which really helps improve um, just that top four. I mean, the only person out of the four starters will likely A.J. Hendy, Anthony Nixon, and Sean Davis that's anywhere of a question mark is Anthony Nixon. And he has tons of experience. He's working with, I think, a better fit for him at safety and A.J. Hendy with Sean Davis down at corner. I expect big things out of Maryland secondary. Um, and then, like you said, the offensive line should be better. Um, in terms of, you know, the front seven is, of course, the question because Maryland lost so much. There. And it was a really good front seven. And I don't think many people acknowledge this. You know, even if it was... It's Maryland, and our scale is pretty low in comparison to other schools around the country. But the front seven was really, really good last year. And well, Maryland it, got after the quarterback a ton. 
that's the thing. I think it was good at that. It was good at, at pressuring the quarterback with Yannick Ngakwe and Jesse Annie Bonham and Yannick Kuja Virgil and Andre Monroe. I mean, Maryland had pass rushers. What Maryland did not have is any run defense at all. True. Um, so, you know, the switch to the 4-3 should help that, adding an additional defensive tackle to the front. Um, we just kind of – the defensive line is a question. I mean, even Ngakwe and Annie Bonham, it's like, okay, they're moving down – to the hand of the dirt, they should be fine, but will they be? Quentin Jefferson, he's moving inside. He should be fine, but will he be? Uh, Rowan Braglow probably should be fine, even though he hasn't been a starter for Maryland before at defensive end. And then the other defensive tackle, you know, Maryland's coaches like David Shaw, who was a two-star prospect out of Pennsylvania that surprisingly played a lot as a true freshman mm-hmm. last year. Yes, I, I can agree with all of that. And once again, my and internet... A... Oh, continue, Pete. I'm sorry. Jeez. My internet doesn't want me to do a good podcast today. My internet really doesn't want me to do a good podcast today. I know. I, I know. I, I'm having it, too. Sorry. Sorry. I apologize to both of you for my internet connection. It's not very good. It will be better when I get down to school next week. Uh, thank you both for a very, very, very good podcast, despite the internet connection issues we've had. Uh, Pete, I'm sorry you got cut off there. Uh, anything you'd like to say before we end the show? Uh, go Terps. <laughs> and, uh, hope my internet gets fixed. Uh, Todd, thank you for your knowledge on non-revs. Hopefully we'll be talking to you throughout the season. Uh, I hope so. My, I hope forward to Hopefully and my... go Terps. Yeah, of course. Hopefully my internet connection will be better. We will be back next Monday night. We will be recording then. Look out for posts on the website. Look out for tweets to send in your questions. Thank you for those who did on the short notice today. Uh, Consistent podcasts start next week because football starts in 10 days. Can you believe it's already there? My senior year is starting. Anyway, thank you for listening. Football starts in four days, by the way. Montana, North Dakota State. Turn up. Watch that game. Uh, I'm not. I'll be watching uh, something else. Namely, I'll be watching... Uh, Tottenham play Everton on on Saturday afternoon but no matter no matter uh we will talk to you all again next week with our season football preview podcast but until then go Terps